Radiation promotes local recurrence and metastasis. Now, those are different, but yet they're connected together. And it's really interesting because it's really a paradox, but it's a paradox within a paradox within a paradox. Let me explain. Radiation causes cancer. I reference that with those CTs and the latency period for um, cancer causation. So radiation causes cancer. Yet radiation is used to treat cancer. Paradox within a paradox. Yet radiation causes metastasis. A paradox within a paradox within a paradox. And metastasis causes 90% of cancer mortality and morbidity. So paradoxes galore all over the place. But yet that is the paradigm that exists in cancer treatment. Welcome to the Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. I'm the medical director at Brio Medical in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am both a conventionally trained and licensed medical doctor as well as a licensed medical homeopathic doctor. This podcast is your resource for a scientific-based discussion of all things cancer and beyond from a natural, holistic, and integrative perspective. It's time to teach the body how to heal. So here we go. Dr. Goodyear here again on the Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. Welcome back. We're continuing in a series here talking about the unholy trinity of conventional cancer treatments. Had a little intro before, talked about chemotherapy. Now what I want to do is I want to touch on the topic of radiation and how radiation contributes to metastasis in cancer. A very treatment, a pillar of conventional treatment, what the data says can contribute to the cancer spread. Again, we have to recognize the war on cancer is something that has been that has been perpetuated throughout the concept of cancer treatment since the declaration of war by by President Nixon in 1971 and then codified into law. But what we don't want to do is win a battle and lose the war. What we want is life. We want healing. We want longevity. We don't want five years. Yes, that's good. But we don't want five years that begets then terminality because it now has spread. We want to win the battle and we want to win the war. And that's really what this series is about, is diving into the data, not about the narrative, but what does the data say? And then challenge just what's out there to say, look, the data says different. So what are we going to do about that? Well, this is what I'm doing about it, is I'm just simply putting the data out there. So let's dive in. So here's the points I want you to take from this particular podcast looking at radiation in the treatment of cancer. Number one, the side effects of radiation treatment are underestimated, and I believe in a way deliberately so. Two, radiation treatment increases local recurrence. Radiation treatment increases circulating tumor cell recruitment to that origin site. Radiation treatment increases systemic circulating tumor cells. Radiation alters the tumor microenvironment. Similar to chemo, radiation treatment increases the metastatic risk. Radiation treatment suppresses local immune system that's critical to initiating a local recurrence and local spread. Radiation treatment increases local invasion of the original tumor site. 
Radiation treatment damages healthy cells, increasing their susceptibility to tumor spread and initiation of cancer. Radiation treatment, very similar to chemotherapy, increases secondary cancer types. Radiation exposure from CTs have a latent period of seven to nine years that that high risk still exists out to 10 to 13 years. And we'll touch on that in just a second. And radiation exposure from CTs, that is, you know, imaging, actually increase the risk of thyroid cancers, leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in people under 45 years of age. So you know me and, and how I approach this podcast is I want to lead with the evidence because what I don't want to do is have people think it's my opinion. Now, we all have opinions, so we have to recognize that, and we are all biased, and that's okay. But what we want to do is say, here's where my opinion comes from. It's based on this science, so lead with the science. Again, the side effects of radiation treatment are under, underestimated and deliberately so. Don't take my word for it. Again, read the research. An article, induction of tumor metastasis receptive microenvironment as an unwanted and underestimated side effect of treatment by chemotherapy or radiotherapy. So their words, underestimated. I'm just regurgitating them. So here's their quote. There are well-known side effects of chemotherapy and radiation that are mainly related to the toxicity and impaired function of vital organs. However, the induction by these therapies of expression of several pro-metastatic factors in various tissue and organs that in total create a pro-metastatic microenvironment is still surprisingly not widely acknowledged. So the point here is they're describing the process of how radiation is contributing to the spread of cancer, yet, for some reason, it's not widely known. The question when we look at radiation as it relates to cancer treatment and the metastatic potential is it's not if radiation is going to induce cancer spread. It's when and where is that spread going to occur? We talked about in the chemo podcast, the latency, meaning the time frame by which you achieve no evidence of disease, but by which a new tumor pops up. Again, we don't want to win the battle and lose the war. We want that latency to be the rest of your life, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. We don't want it to be three, five years. We don't want new cancers. We don't want the metastatic spread. But when we look at the data, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when and where is that going to occur. And that is also seen in fractionated and unfractionated types of chemotherapy. That's the data. That's the timeline. Radiation promotes local recurrence and metastasis. Now, those are different, but yet they're connected together. And it's really interesting because it's really a paradox. But it's a paradox within a paradox within a paradox. Let me explain. Radiation causes cancer. I referenced that with those CTs and the latency period for um, cancer causation. So radiation causes cancer. Yet radiation is used to treat cancer. Paradox within a paradox. Yet radiation causes metastasis. Or paradox within a paradox within a paradox. And metastasis causes 90% of cancer mortality and morbidity. So paradoxes galore all over the place. But yet that is the paradigm that exists in cancer treatment. 
And again, we just want to lead with the data and then talk about it and really move forward. But is this really a surprise? Or is it what we should simply expect? So take side effects or adverse effects when we talk about chemotherapy, but particularly here radiation. I think these should be readjusted and rephrased to say intended and known effects because these are destructive processes. And no surprise, destructive processes have direct and indirect or collateral damage. So they are known intended effects. They are not surprises. They are not adverse effects. Effects they are, but they are known and they are underestimated. When you look at this paradox, radiation paradoxically enhances the invasion and migration of cancer cells by inducing that epithelial to mesenchymal transition. That's the immobile to mobile. And it does so by affecting the immune system, by affecting the vascular supply and that tumor microenvironment. And this provides additional adverse effects for the cancer patient by promoting recurrence and metastasis. These side effects, quote unquote, are commonly observed after chemotherapy and also radiation. Now, this concept of radiation contributing to the metastatic spread of cancer is, is not new. There was actually a journal of National Cancer Institute called The Effect of Local Rowent uh, Irradiation of the Biological Behavior of Transplacentable Mouse Carcinoma increased frequency of pulmonary metastasis that was published in 1949, actually describing this process. So, I mean, we're, we're fast approaching a hundred years, a century of, you know, looking at how radiation is known to cause the spread of cancer. But let's first, before we jump into the systemic spread, let's focus on the local recurrence. This is also referred to in what you might have heard, self-seeding radiation will induce local recurrence or local reseeding. Again, I touched on this in chemotherapy. We're all in cancer treatment sowing something. What are we sowing? What are we cultivating in that soil? Are we sowing healing? Wellness, not just for us or for future generations, but are we sowing disease? Are we sowing cancer? Are we sowing metastasis for ourselves? and for future generations. So when we look at this concept of self-seeding or recurrence, it's really the metastatic process in reverse. It's where cancer cells are circulating and they are coming back to the site of the original crime. Remember, cancer is referred to as a wound that does not heal. And I've talked really many different podcasts about the immune dysfunction associated within the tumor microenvironment in this chronic, inaccurately, in, excuse me, inappropriately healing wound. And so when circulating cells are sent out via the process of just normal cancer, but also from radiation, they then, excuse me, can come back to roost right at home and, and, and basically set up shop in that wound. And in that wound, it can propagate the self-seeding or local recurrence. Really nice article from 2014, Recruitment of Circulating Breast Cancer Cells is Stimulated by Radiotherapy. That's radiation. They said radiation in two, two tumor cells in vitro and in vivo 
these are different types of cell models, attracts migrating tumor cells. So it's not just that they land there by chance, it attracts them. That's that healing environment, it attracts them. And we even know the mechanisms here, expression and uh, effects by what's called granulocyte macrophage colonnade stimulating factors. Gran- granulocyte macrophage colonnading stimulating factors. Goodness gracious, say that a couple times. I did twice and that was tough. But that is the process by which radiation induces this self-seeding. That's the process in part. Again, metastasis in reverse. So local reseeding. You've probably heard many stories. You've heard many uh, loved ones with that. I've seen many patients where that in fact has occurred, that self-seeding. And it can be very, very quick. But radiation also induces the metastatic spread of cancer. And it does it via several different mechanisms which we want to highlight. Beautiful review article entitled Radiation Therapy Induced Metastasis, Radiobiology and Clinical Implications. So again, read these articles for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but, but here's a few of the highlights. The radiation increases circulating tumor cells. That's one mechanism of how, how you can get re- self-seeding, reseeding. Radiation induces a bystander effect. Talk about that in just a second. It affects the tumor bed differently. It activates dormant micrometastasis, and it induces phenotypical change. Lethal radiation of tumor cells has long been shown to promote malignant growth. And when combined that and mixed with non-irradiated viable cells, so taking radiated cells, mixing them with non-radiated cells, the effect seen in, in animal models is worse than heat-killed tumor cells. So when we look at this concept of radiation, it's going to be imparted to the non-radiated cells. And that effect is not seen in heat, hyperthermia, fever induction therapy. So here I'm contrasting two treatment modalities, treatment options, radiation and hyperthermia or fever induction therapy. One that is radiation will damage malignant cells, but it will also lead to the damage of non-radiated cells. Likewise, hyperthermia, in contrast, does not. The radiation-induced bystander effect is the phenomenon by which non-irradiated cells, non-radiated cells, exhibit effects along with their different levels as a result of the signals that they've received from the nearby radiated cells. So the concept here is you get cancer cells that are adulterated by the radiation, and they then pass that adulteration onto the cells nearby that weren't irradiated. That's the bystander effect. This this could include free radicals, immune system effects, expression, changes of genes, inflammation. All of this is bystander. These are cells just, you know, whistling along, living life. They're bystanding and they're affected by the effects of radiation on those cancer cells and it's passed on to them. Really, really, really interesting article that I think will highlight this effect. Results of studies on survivors of Chernobyl explosion as well as radiotherapy of patients with cancer revealed that adding blood serum of those individuals to the same non-radiated cell cultures caused chromosomal damage. That's a quote from the article. So let let me summarize that. 
the radiated cells of patients with cancer from the Chernobyl explosion, when mixed in a culture with non-radiated cells that were non-cancerous, took on the chromosomal damage of those radiated cells from Chernobyl. That is a powerful bystander effect. It, I mean, that's, it's not just bystander, that's bystander from person to person. Then there's the tumor bed effect, which is the metastatic frequency that is significantly higher in tumors in pre-irradiated beds than in controlled tumors in unirradiated, meaning the beds of the tumor, the tumor microenvironment that are irradiated are going to have more metastatic potential than those that are not. And then the activation of dormant micrometastasis. Here we're talking about, you know, not visible macrometastasis, but micrometastasis. Here we're now understanding a little bit differently about maybe how the metastatic process occurs. And in cancer, micrometastasis probably happen much earlier as a process of what's called immunoediting, where there's, there's a balance between tumor cell proliferation and a equal rate of cell death by which the cancer seems to be just kind of in check. And then whether some trauma, surgical radiation or chemotherapy actually triggers a process for the micrometastasis to grow to a macrometastasis. In fact, studies in breast cancer have shown that these dormant micrometastasis can actually uh, blossom, if you will, lack of a better term, be when you eliminate a primary tumor. So somehow there is a Suppression, and it could be the immunoediting effect of which we don't quite understand how that can happen, but a primary tumor that is suppressing micrometastatic sites that we're not aware of. And so you remove that tumor, and all of a sudden those small dormant sites that are micro become macro and visible in distant sites. And then the last is the phenotypic change that radiation will induce in the cancer cells that allow it to spread. So looking at, again, what they say, the authors of these, these articles, of these publications, of these studies, here is an article, radiation therapy to a primary tumor accelerates metastatic growth in mice. This quote, I think, helps us to better understand, as the fields of surgical radiation and medical oncology have become more effective at treating primary tumors, Again, that's debatable. Distant metastases have become an increasingly important limiting factor in patient survival. They really kind of contradict themselves. They say they've become more effective at treating primary tumors. Okay. But the distant metastatic potential is affecting patient survival. So which is it? Again, it comes back to that battle and war, right? The, the war, the winning the war is, you know, the whole body being healed of cancer. We don't want to win a battle and lose the war. So that's a quote from an article. <clears throat> Again, like to read, you know, lead with their words. So looking at the induction of metastasis by radiation, we also see that it can also stimulate cancer stem cell phenotypes. But the way it affects the metastatic spread is it does it through induction of that immobile to mobile or epithelial mesenchymal transition that induces the metastatic spread. It promotes the alteration of a procarcinogenic tumor microenvironment from one that's not. It promotes the formation of cancer stem cells and the maintenance and survival of cancer stem cells. And it also causes an oncogenic metabolic shift. Everybody focuses on the, the cancer being a ge genetic process. What I would say there is every cancer has genetic 
defects, mutations. Not that it's born out of genetics, but there are mutations there. Some are definitely inherited. 70 to 80% are not. They're sporadic, but there's still mutations there. But cancer is very much a metabolic process, and it really ties together how radiation contributes to both metastasis, but also the cancer stem cell phenotype, which is just expression all through the radiation induction of an alteration in cancer metabolism. And this is not just, you know, speculation or theory, but many of the exact molecular pathways regulating this process in whereby radiation induces invasion and metastasis is known. Effects of Radiation on, on the Metastatic Process is a 2018 article that really describes the how. It talks about its effect on many different oncogenes, tumor suppressor genes. Some of you may have heard of P53, CMYK, angiogenesis signaling via hypoxia-inducible factor 1-alpha, pro-growth pathways, the P13KAKT mTOR pathway. Just flows off the tongue, doesn't it? The RAS-RAF-MEK MAP kinase pathway. Again, the point here is not to just throw all this stuff out there, but it's that the mechanisms are known of how this process occurs. Not just that radiation can contribute to the metastatic spread of cancer, but how, and the multiple ways of how, and the repetitive publications of how. By inducing that epithelial to mesenchymal transition, the promotion of angiogenesis, the immune effects, the alteration of the tumor microenvironment, again, the metabolic reprogramming, the promotion of the stem cells, the release of circulating tumor cells, the formation of treatment resistance, metastasis, and secondary cancers. You know, it's really interesting when you look at CTs. Again, the paradox in part is radiation from CTs but yet we use radiation to treat cancer, but yet radiation from CTs will cause cancer. In fact, 25% of all exposure, it's estimated by a study from 1997 to 2007, occurs in Americans from radiation exposure from CTs. And they were focusing here on the overutilization of CTs in imaging, but they really missed the mark because they were focusing on the CT and they said, look, CT is being overutilized. But they failed to recognize that the enemy here was not necessarily the CT, it was the radiation that comes from the CT. And they showed here that it had a latency of about seven to nine years, and this remains very high risk at 10 to 13 years. So again, this is far beyond that standard of care five years overall survival. Coincidence there? Uh, Let you decide that. But the point here is the impact of radiation has a long-lasting effect, but yet that same impact that can cause cancer is used to treat cancer. Again, that paradox re-explored. So radiation induces the metastatic spread by inducing that immobile-to-mobile move, what's called the epithelial to mesenchymal transition. Mechanisms known, not speculation, the data's there. Effects of radiation on metastasis and tumor cell migration, 2016, study looking at cell molecular life and science, describing the process of how that occurs. Radiation Enhancement of Metastasis, really a review article from 1991. So we're talking 40 years ago, describing this immobile to mobile move from radiation on cancer 
and its effects. So 40 years. Another one going back to 1993, radiation-inducing transforming growth, transforming growth factor. So this is the localized immune suppression. But the point here is not just the article and the mechanisms, though those are important, very, very important. It's, my goodness, how long this has been known. It's not new. So it's not like some, you know, some doc is sitting out there and goes, well, I, I just didn't read any papers in the last year. Well, did you read any in the last 40 years? Local recurrence is stimulated by radiation. And this process of self-seeding and invasion is again caused by the circulating breast cancer cells that I've touched on earlier. So this process by which radiation is going to contribute to the spread of cancer is also the same mechanisms of how it's going to promote the local reseeding. So we can't look at those in isolated context. We have to recognize that if we're talking about radiation contributing to the systemic spread that is metastasis of cancer to distant organ sites, that is the same process that will contribute to local reseeding. In a way, it's local metastasis. That's, that's really what it is. It's metastasis. It's just back at the scene of the crime rather than being in a new site. Radiation induces injury, whether that be local or distant, and that's what accelerates and propagates the local metastatic spread. So looking at the summary here, radiation is a paradox within a paradox within a paradox. It will contribute to local recurrence, which is really a local metastasis, but it will also induce distant metastatic sites. Radiation affects and contributes to that epithelial to mesenchymal transition. And when we look at that process, we have to first understand what that means. I've mentioned that several times. It's a pivotal step in the acquisition of a migratory phenotype or expression or behavior by tumor cells. And it's the process of epithelial cells losing, this is a medical term, scientific term, polarity, and acquiring mesenchymal properties such as maintenance of stimulus and induction of migration. That's why I call this a immobile-to-mobile move. And radiation here is inducing that effect, but here it's just a description of what epithelial to mesenchymal transition actually means. So how does radiation promote this immobile-to-mobile move? Well, it does so through transcription factors, but also through effects on signaling pathways. And here we come up with some really great acronyms for some of the transcription factors involved here, induced by radiation to spread cancer. SNAIL, which is a zinc finger transcriptional repressor of e-cadherin expression. Yes, I'm sorry, good grief is right, but SNAIL, there you go. TWIST, not twist and shout, but TWIST, is actually a transcriptional factor induced by radiation that promotes cancer spread. STAT3, which is a transcriptional factor involved in promoting potential cancer. Hypoxia-inducible factor 1-alpha and ZEB1. These are all transcriptional factors. Again, not theory, not speculation, but actually transcription factors that we know are involved and stimulated by radiation. 
to actually promote metastasis here via the epithelial mesenchymal transition. Some of the signaling pathways that are affected, I already mentioned the transforming growth factor beta, a pro-growth pathway called WNT. Here's another great one, hedgehog. I don't know who came up with that one. Uh, Notch, EGFR, chemokines, plasminogen activator inhibitor, MAP kinase. So many different signaling pathways involved in how radiation will induce that immobile-to-mobile move. Radiation induces epithelial mesenchymal transition in colorectal cancer cells. So the, the point here is not just that it's some you know, cell culture, is that the mechanism is being recognized. The exact steps, whether we call it a snail or a hedgehog, right? We, we understand how this process is occurring and how this is specifically affecting both animal models, but also real people whether that being fractionated or unfractionated, promoting this process in human esophageal cancer cells through PTN, PTN, deficient mediated AKT activation. That's just, that's just a study article right there. PTEN is a transcription regulator of P13K AKT mTOR pathway, which is a pro-growth pathway. The point is we recognize the details the details. I don't want you to get lost in the details. I just want you to simply recognize the 30,000 foot perspective. Radiation causes the immobile to mobile move of cancer cells, and that's key in how cancer spreads. So don't get caught up in the details. We just need to discuss the details because I need you to know that the science and the truth is in the details. And I've talked about this before, how radiation affects the local environment, and as the cancer cells become mobile and move, they take the characteristics of that local environment to its distant sites. Some, some people have called it hypoxic memory. Here we're talking about cancer-associated fibroblasts actually going with the circulating tumor cells to help carry on its characteristics with it with a, at whatever new site it lands. And ultimately, this is going to lead to metastasis. So radiation induces epithelial to mesenchymal transmission, whether that be through transcriptional factors or whether that be through signaling pathway factors, the specificity and the details are known by which it moves from immobile to mobile. Second here is radiation induces angiogenesis. Now this is even looking at low doses of ionizing radiation, promoting tumor growth and metastasis through the enhancement of angiogenesis. This was an online article looking at the process of how it actually occurred by stimulating that hypoxia-inducible factor 1 alpha brought on by hypoxia, stimulating vascular endothelial growth factor, modulating the immune system, and get this, promoting nitric oxide. So a lot of people out there advocating for the promotion of nitric oxide for erectile dysfunction and vascular benefit, well, you need to be really careful because what environment is present in that patient. If you're inducing nitric, nitric oxide or really promoting it through arginine or other mechanisms, you actually could be contributing to the process of angiogenesis if the cancer is existing. Angiogenesis is the process by which just new blood vessels are formed. Now, this is important because this needs to meet the high metabolic demand that cancer requires. It is growing rapidly. And so it must have a vascular supply to meet that metabolic demand, but also to carry away the waste. That is what radiation does to induce angiogenesis. 
It induces hypoxia. It triggers signaling. It promotes vascular genesis, which is angiogenesis. It modulates the immune system, and it promotes nitric oxide via actually upregulation of inducible nitric oxide synthase. That's how radiation induces angiogenesis, which supports the lifeblood to cancer. Radiation will induce immune effects, immune, immune system. That is the body's defenses. We need the immune system functioning at full capacity. It is our Marine. It is our Army. Their job is to protect the body against all invaders, foreign and domestic. Yet radiation induces negative effects here. It alters the immune system in the tumor microenvironment. It leads to immune suppression and immune escape. And I've touched on this as it relates to chemo, but what happens here is you actually get death and destruction of the cancer cells. So think of it like the battlefield, the battlefront. And as a result of that, you get a lot of immune cells attracted to that. So you got a, you got a lot of death and destruction, damaged cells, dead and dying cells, and the paramedics get attracted to the front to really help those who are alive and remove those who are dead. And here it is immune cells, what are called macrophages, what are called neutrophils, and they get attracted to this battlefront, this, this scene of destruction, and they get adulterated. They get turned, if you will, and they become agents of the enemy here, which is cancer, which is just really an abnormal expression of our normal cells. And whether that be macrophages becoming M2 macrophages from M1, which is a polarization process, or that being N2 or neutrophil type 2 neutrophils as it relates to N1. Both of, this, both of these movements of polarization will promote immune dysfunction within the immune microenvironment, and that in turn leads to immune suppression, whether that be through things like interleukin-6, uh, transforming growth factor beta, myelodysrived suppressing cells, the M2 macrophages, or the N2 uh, neutrophils, all promoting a localized immune suppression environment that is affecting the immune environment, promoting growth invasion, angiogenesis, and metastasis. Again, we know the mechanisms here, the signaling, the T regulator cells that get involved in there, the transforming growth factor beta, the IL-10, the mechanisms are known. It's not to get caught in the details, but recognize that radiation will alter the immune system that allows the cancer to evade the immune system and escape and go to distant sites. So we know that mechanisms of action. So another great review article called Tumor Microenvironment is a Game Changer in Cancer Radiation or Radiotherapy. It really describes the process how radiation affects the tumor microenvironment. It damages the endothelial cells, causing radiation-induced inflammation. The damaged vessels actually inhibit the infiltration of T lymphocytes, particularly what are called cytotoxic T lymphocytes into the tumor. So it's basically keeping the army and the Marines away. And this leads to immunosuppressed environment that activates other metabolic signaling that allows cancer to become unregulated and hypergrowth in its, in its signal. And all of this is through the immune system that's induced by the radiation, but in a local environment, then, then becomes transmitted to a systemic spread. And then remember, those cancer cells, as they circulate, they're carrying that new environment, that new signaling with it, so that once they set up a new site, they carry that memory, that memory to form a new cancer tumor, but from the separate site.
that is the primary. Primary spreads, but through the immune effect and radiation induces it. So what changes does radiation induce in the tumor microenvironment? Again, it's not just talking about the effects on the immune system. We, we recognize all the different mechanisms of how it does this. Cancer-associated fibroblasts that differ from the normal fibroblasts, that, that modified behavior or phenotype really allows a cancer cells to spread. I, I've mentioned this. It's like a lobster or snail carrying its home on its back. And it's that process that allows it to spread, but it's the alteration of the immune system within a tumor microenvironment elicited by the radiation that does it. It's shifting the metabolism. It's creating local inflammation and disruption. It's leading to invasion, angiogenesis, vasculogenesis, immune escape, circulating tumor cells, metastatic spread, resistance, and induction of the cancer stem cells. That's the 30,000-foot perspective. We recognize the 30-foot perspective that's where you get the transforming growth factor beta, the program death ligand 1, the IL-2, the uh, NF nuclear factor kappa B, the VEGF, the matrix metalloproteinase. That, that's the 30-foot perspective. That's the details. That's the nerdiness. Recognize simply the fact that radiation will damage the immune system, modulate the immune system, suppress the immune system that leads to immune escape. That's the 30,000-foot perspective. That's the take-home effect. And again, recognizing how it's doing it through the macrophages, the neutrophils, the adulteration of the immune system within that tumor microenvironment and environment, that's the details. That's what's important as we expand our knowledge and hopefully expand a change of direction in how we treat cancer. When you look at tumors, particularly this one study looked at metastatic melanoma, they found that 80% of the cells that were infiltrated into that tumor were macrophages, neutrophils, and then another immune cell called natural killer cells. So the immune system is instrumental to the protection of cancer, against cancer, but also the promotion of cancer. And radiation can trigger a change there in that process. Beyond just causing the cancer to spread, we know it can induce tumor radio resistance. We know it can affect how cancer cells are resistant to radiation. And again, it's not just speculation here, it's details. The proof's in the pudding, the proof's in the details, the devil's in the details. I, I would say the truth's here in the details. Radiation induces the immune effects by altering the immune environment, suppressing the immune system, and allowing the immune system to allow escape and then in turn is allowing resistance to occur and develop. Because with, with these cancer cells escaping, they're going to survive. And it's survival of the fittest. And this survival of the fittest, they are now going to become resistant. Radiation also indu induces a metabolic shift, or what I call oncogenic metabolism. You may have heard this or examples of it in what's called the Warburg effect or lactogenesis. Here's a better definition of it. Metabolic reprogramming that is the result of either mutations in metabolic genes themselves or oncogenic mutations in signaling pathways or metabolic imbalances in native tissue homeostasis induced by hypoxia or inflammation or other metabolic issues. So the point here is you have a normal metabolism that gets shifted, that pivots because of a variety of different mechanisms, either occurring you know, individually, simultaneously, or all at once. 
And that shift in metabolism that supports cancer, that is oncogenic metabolism, or what I call the oncogenic metabolic shift. And Otto Warburg described one mechanism of that back in the early 20th century, as now took his name, the Warburg effect. But there are other mechanisms there. And this also involves transcription factors as well as regulatory factors. Again, the mechanisms of there, I've already spent a lot of time touching on the details there, but know that if you want to know the transcription factors, whether that be a proto-oncogene CMYK, P53, a tumor suppressor gene, or whether that be regulatory factors through the AKT pathway, the hypoxia-inducible factor 1-alpha or SNAIL, these mechanisms are known. But what we want you to recognize is that simply radiation is going to induce a glycolytic shift. It is going to shift the metabolism of the cancer cells, one that upregulates glucose transporters, one that overexpress hexokinase enzymes, one that increases glyceraldehyde-3-phosphate dehydrogenase, that increases pyruvate dehydrogenase kinase, decreases pyruvate dehydrogenase. This results in the glycolytic shift. So when cancer is growing and everybody says cancer loves sugar, what I just described, these enzymes, this metabolic shift, this biochemistry, that's what's happening. The radiation induces the glycolytic shift. It induces the change in how these cells take energy sources, that is sugar, and uses it very inefficiently, but does so in the process to support efficiency of speed to produce cells and grow rapidly. One little caveat here. Vitamin C actually inhibits pyruvate dehydrogenase kinase and promotes pyruvate dehydrogenase. So where, whereby cancer will shift glycolytically, that is use sugar inefficiently for, for speed's sake, vitamin C can come in and actually counter that process and actually make it go the long route. And that in turn creates oxidative stress and the cancer cannot handle that. There's also a process called tumor lactogenesis, and this is the byproduct of lactate, and it's a byproduct of this inefficient Warburg effect or glycolytic shift, and this production of excessive lactate actually becomes a fuel source for cancer. It's uptaken by different cells called MCTs, and it takes up lactate, And this, but it, beyond that being used as an energy source, it actually promotes an acidic environment around it. It suppresses the immune system. And all of this contributes to the spread of cancer. And I think it's really important here because people talk about cancer as it relates to acidic or, or, or basic environment, and they think it's the in, entire body, and that's not true. It's in and around the tumor microenvironment. That is the battlefield. That is where way, war is waged, and that is the process by which the pH is very important, and lactate as a byproduct of the glycolytic shift is very important there. But it contributes to the spread via immune suppression, but also treatment resistance. So radiation induces oncogenic metabolic shift through transcription factors, through the effect of regulatory factors, by shifting glycolysis, and also things such as tumor lactogenesis. Again, the perspective here is radiation induces a oncogenic metabolic shift. The mechanism, that's the details. That's the studies, and that's what I want you to take from that process. You know, it, it's great when patients achieve no evidence of disease. But what I tell them, that's actually the hardest place to be because it's now where you have to work on sight unseen. But it's where you want to be. And there we have to really concern ourselves with those backups 
the backups that we want no part of, what are called cancer stem cells. Cancer stem cells are a small subpopulation of cells within tumors that have the capability of self-renewal, differentiation, and intense tumor effects. Cancer stem cells by nature are resistant to conventional chemotherapy and radiation, and they're likely... Some people debate whether this is theory or proven, but they're likely to be one of the major origins of resistance and then cancer spread. They're the backup copy we want no part of. And radiation induces not just the promotion of cancer stem cells, but also the survival of cancer stem cells that exist. Here's a beautiful article from 2016, Radiation Induces the Generation of Cancer Stem Cells, a novel mechanism for cancer radio resistance. So what the authors here are, are describing is that radiation itself of a tumor will actually transform a cancer non-stem cell, so a cancer cell that lacks stem activity, and transform it into a cancer cell with stem activity as it survives, and that in turn leads to the resistance of the cancer cell to further radiation treatment. This has been shown in chemotherapy as well. So the the same applies to chemotherapy. Another article from 2020, a little bit more recent, describes how radiotherapy targets cancer stem cell and awakens them to induce tumor relapse and the metastatic spread in oral cancer. Now, what's interesting about this article is the, the authors described how when radiation fails, meaning it doesn't kill all the cancer cells, they awaken cells that they call the seeds of cancer. And this allows these seeds of cancer to rekindle the fire of cancer. Now, that's really interesting because when you look, and I've mentioned this before, how these distant metastatic sites need soil prep. Chemotherapy induces soil prep in distant sites. Well, radiation sows the seeds. That's what's going to give us a crop, a bounty in distant sites that we want no part of. So radiation induces cancer stem cell formation that then eventually leads to recurrence risk and metastatic risk. But just some um, you know, treatment options here that have been shown in studies to actually treat cancer stem cells or at least target them. High-dose vitamin C, specifically coupling it with a very old antibiotic called doxycycline. The two together have been shown to target cancer stem cells. Low-dose metronomic chemo, so I know we're talking about radiation, but low-dose metronomic chemo, insulin-potentiated low-dose chemo, actually is a way to target cancer stem cells, whereas full-dose chemo will promote cancer stem cells. Hyperthermia. Here in this topic of radiation on this podcast, I've talked about how hyperthermia doesn't induce uh, bystander effect like radiation does. And then there are repurposed drugs. Whoa, there's a, there's a term that we can't use, but repurposed drugs, actually we're going to use it, such as metformin and hydroxychloroquine. These are drugs that are being repurposed for different mechanisms than what it was previously approved for. Of course, metformin is one for... Uh, diabetes, hydroxychloroquine, of course, a lot of fame, claim to fame during the COVID pandemic, but these have been shown to actually destroy cancer stem cells. 
And this is important because out of this process of production of cancer stem cells comes resistance. And the impacts of resistance are quite obvious. Treatment failure, recurrence, metastasis, increased morbidity, and increased mortality. So when we look at radiation-inducing cancer stem cell effects, de facto cancer stem cells are resistant, so radiation will promote survival, but it will also promote new cancer stem cells. The backups we want no part of. We all back up our phone, back up our computer, back up our iPad. Those are backups that save us. These are backups that don't save us. More than that, radiation induces circulating tumor cells. So one of the authors I mentioned described how radiation will induce the seeds of cancer. And it does so through previous described mechanisms of epithelial to mesenchymal transition, immobile to mobile, but then those circulating tumor cells that reach those distant shores, if you will, that the soil has been prepped and the seeds fall. And then that's where the process of new sites occur. Quote, radiotherapy results in an increased number of viable circulating tumor cells in non-small cell lung cancer and bladder cancer, thus contributing to a higher risk of distant metastasis. That's a quote from a 2016 article entitled Effects of Radiation on Metastasis and Tumor Cell Migration. The radiation induces the release of circulating tumor cells into the circulation. It prepares the distant sites. So it doesn't just release the seeds, it preps the soil at the distant sites, the distant shores. The radiation of the tumor facilitates the attraction of these cells to the sites of irradiation. That's that self-seeding, which is really, again, it's, it's not a different metastatic process, it's a local metastatic process. But radiation is almost there inducing every aspect of what it needs to spread the tumor, whether that be distantly, prepping the distant site, or whether that be locally. Radiation induces immune suppression, local tissue damage, local vascular damage, increasing inflammatory response, and inducing hypoxia. That's what radiation does, and that's how radiation contributes to the release of circulating tumor cells that either propagate a distant metastatic growth or a recurrence local via reseeding. Beyond just radiation contributing to reseeding or self-seeding local recurrence or distant metastatic site, it will induce secondary cancers. It does so by activating immune modulation, inhibiting how cancer cells can be destroyed, promoting its growth, alterating the cell cycle to promote growth, Again, moving from immobile to mobile, promoting cancer stem cell expression and maintaining the survival of that. Not just the 30,000-foot perspective there, but also the 30-foot perspective. Radiation-inducing new cancer cells, secondary cells through nuclear factor kappa B activation, hypoxia-inducible factor 1 upregulation activation. The point here, again, know that radiation can induce new secondary cancers. The details, that's just the evidence to support that 30,000-foot perspective. Really nice article from 2018, Radiation Oncological Journal, 
entitled Radiation Induces Secondary Malignancies, a review article, really kind of summarizes all of that process. Then there's a process called the abscopal ab, effect. See, I can even say it. It's A-B-S-C-O-P-A-L, abscopal effect. Now, this is an effect by which most will look at radiation and say it will induce a systemic effect. So the radiation locally will induce an anti-cancer effect that then is said to be imparted at distant systemic sites. But that's the abscopal effect. Is this proof or is it really just a narrative? Well, here's a quote from a 2016 article. It says, while this phenomenon was first observed in 1953, it has proven rare and clinical evidence of it in the literature consists largely of individual case reports. What they're saying here is that the abiscopal effect, though it's been described since 1953, the evidence actually to describe it is very, very rare, and the evidence of it is very, very much suspect. Now, what that is in terms of the radiation inducing a systemic anti-cancer effect. What I would say that there's more evidence of, as described here in this podcast, is that radiation induces a very different type of abiscopal effect. That is, it induces the metastatic spread or self-reseeding or formation of cancer stem cells. That is what the evidence almost really points to of its systemic effects via a local irradiated source. Not a benefit, but more of a detriment. That's really just the data. We have to be comfortable with asking all questions. We have to be comfortable with following the data where it leads when we ask those questions, even if it challenges a pillar of cancer treatment. It's not to say radiation is bad. If you have a tumor in a brain, if you have a tumor that's fractured a bone, a radiation can very in a short term stabilize that process. So I'm not saying that radiation doesn't have a place. I'm just saying we need to recognize that we want to win this war. If we're going to win a battle, we want to make sure that battle begets another win, begets another win, begets another win that eventually leads to the winning of the war. So summarizing all of this effect of radiation as it relates to cancer, the side effects of radiation treatment, again, are underestimated and deliberately, I think, understated. Radiation treatment increases local recurrence that's receding. Radiation treatment increases circulating tumor cell recruitment to the original tumor site, returning to the seat of the crime to self-seed. Again, kind of a local metastatic process. Radiation treatment increases systemic circulating tumor cells that are going to lead to these eventually um, systemic metastasis or even local receding. It's going to alter the tumor microenvironment, which is going to allow those circulating tumor cells to be released. Radiation treatment does increase metastatic risk. It does suppress the local immune system, which is very critical to initiating the local recurrence, but again, also the systemic spread. Radiation treatment increases the local invasion of the original tumor, which is going to eventually lead to the circulating tumor cells. Radiation treatment damages healthy cells, increasing their susceptibility to tumor spread and initiation. Okay, that's where that Chernobyl effect comes in. That's where that innocent bystander effect comes in. Radiation treatment increases secondary cancer. But finally, you know, 
It's the paradox. Radiation exposure from CTs induce cancer, but yet radiation is used to treat cancer, yet radiation causes the metastatic spread of cancer, and thus out of metastasis comes 90% of morbidity and mortality. Radiation is simply a paradox within a paradox within a paradox within a paradox. But it is one of the unholy trinity treatments of conventional cancer care, radiation, the ultimate paradox. So thank you for listening to this podcast, which is really the third part in a series of talking about the unholy trinity of conventional cancer treatment. Here we just discussed radiation and how it contributes to the metastatic spread of cancer. So I encourage you to follow us at Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear, wherever you follow podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, you name it. And coming soon will be the final installment of this unholy trinity in the treatment of cancer. That will be surgery. Check out the prior podcast on chemotherapy and radiation soon to come, wrapping up this final pillar of the unholy trinity in conventional cancer treatment. For more information, just like what we discussed today, I encourage you to follow us on YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio streaming platforms. And in there, we'll talk about all things related to healing, wellness, cancer, and much, much beyond because it doesn't just apply to cancer. Our goal here is to turn to healing, restore health, and promote your wellness. Whether that greatest obstacle to wellness being cancer or any other named disease, our goal is your wellness. I'm Dr. Nathan Goodyear, and enjoy our future podcast at Practicing with Dr. Goodyear.